Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. This is your pal, your buddy, your friend. I'm Open Mike Eagle. Welcome to Secret Skin. Are you enjoying yourself? I sure am. Can't you tell? Man, it's been a crazy week on the internet, man. I live on the internet. Uh, there's a Confederate flag thing happening, or it's not happening. It's being all they're all being rounded up and thrown in the trash, and it's great. I do not want that to distract from the fact that people have been murdered. Props to Bree Newsom, though. She's running up the flag. Or up the flagpole. I was at home trying to word a Curious George tweet. And I didn't even figure it out. She's a hero. She's awesome. We got marriage equality. Which is fucking incredible. On this episode of the show, we got Sam Herring of Future Islands. I was reading my email recently. I do that occasionally every day. And I found one from John Kunapak who sent me a really great question for the podcast. Send all your podcast questions to omebooking at gmail.com. Don't send them anywhere else because I won't get them. So if you want me to get your question, send it to omebooking at gmail.com. His question is as follows. Hey man, I really like the podcast, so I have a question for you. I've noticed recently rappers are asking for money on the internet for unique experiences. Notably, fans of Run the Jewels are getting together $40,000 on Kickstarter to make Meow the Jewels, a quick editor's note that's actually for charity, among a bunch of other ridiculous pre-sale options with a clause that they don't have to honor anything over $35,000. Or Riff Raff asking for $28,000 on Instagram to go to a high school prom. My question is, what would happen at the $35,000 Mike Eagle experience? Don't worry, I don't have money, so I could never hold you to it. But what ridiculous thing would you like to get paid $35,000 to do? Ladies and gentlemen, that got me thinking. About the $35,000 Oh. M experience the thirty five thousand dollar OM experience Ladies and gentlemen for thirty five thousand dollars I will come to your house your house with either a PlayStation 2 or a GameCube. And I will beat the hell out of you in Tekken. Or 007 Agent Under Fire. The choice is yours. I'll bring some whiskey. I'll order a pizza and pay for it. We're gonna drink the whole bottle of the whiskey. Pizza doesn't come in a bottle. We're gonna drink that whole bottle and me, open Mike Eagle. I'm gonna help you figure out your life. $35,000 OME experience. The 
$35,000 OME experience. So that's what happens when I think about stuff. You guys can uh, send your questions to OME Booking at gmail.com. I almost said that whole experience thing again. This is fun to say. I got tour dates. Tour dates for your face and the rest of your body. July 10th, I'm in San Diego at Till 2. July 19th, I'm at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Los Angeles for the Step and Repeat Festival. July 20th, Grand Rapids, Michigan, at the Pyramid with Serengeti. July 21st, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Cactus Club with Milo. July 22nd, in Minneapolis, 7th Street Entry with Andrew Broder and Crescent Moon and Safe. July 23rd, in Iowa City, Iowa, at Gabe's with Milo. Madison, July 24th, at the Frequency with Milo. July 25th, in Chicago, at the Wicker Park Festival with like Blonde Redhead and bunch of other people I don't know and that was all from memory if you heard paper rattling remember paper rattling is a way to jog your memory on this episode of Secret Skin I have an interview with Sam Herring of Future Islands he's a buddy of mine he's really great he's also known as Himalak Ernst and he does his rapid rap stuff in his interview, he talks about rap, performance, art, substance abuse, and romance. It's a story out of an independent movie. It's really good. I enjoyed talking with him. I think you're going to enjoy listening to it. Go get that special episode on vinyl. There's only a few hundred left in existence, so if you see it on the internet, give them your money for it. I'm Open Mike Eagle, folks. And this is Secret Skin. Um, you know, we started our first band freshman year of college. It's called Art Lord and the Self Portraits. Could um, you say that again, please? Art Lord and the Self Portraits. That sounds amazing. And uh, the whole it was a social commentary. It was more supposed to be because I never wanted to be in a band. Like, uh, my brother turned me on to to hip-hop when I was 13 years old, and I started writing when I was 14. Uh-huh. When I got to college, I was looking for a producer to make beats for me, because I didn't make music. And I met William, the bass player in Art Lord and Future Islands. Uh, first day of class, we had like three or four of our art. We were in the fine arts program at East Carolina University in uh, Greenwood, North Carolina. And he was making these weird beats, or like these weird electronic things like sampling raindrops and stuff oh, and flipping them like okay. on but his stuff kind of sounded like craft work but i was in the anti-con scene at that time 2002 and i was like i bet i can manipulate this guy into making beats for me is that your inside voice <laughs> yeah and then uh and then i think william was thinking the same thing like i think this guy will be in my band <laughs> we have the same, we have the same inside voice. he's like i think this guy would front my band because william was in bands in high school and then uh, we met in art school, and I was on some weird performance art stuff. Okay, what was um, it? What was your performance art like? Uh, well, the thing was, like, I kind of, um, I, I came to art because I was, I was kind of crazy with the pencil. Okay, like I could, I could just sit over a drawing for like fifteen hours at a time, huh. just spin in little circles and make hyper realism, like, like with just you know, a two B, a two B pencil, just okay. make make stuff pop off the page. But also, my teachers. Uh, uh, turned me on to um, a few a few artists. Uh, most importantly, this guy Tishing Hasai, okay. um, who did um, it's H S I E H, I believe Tishing. Um, he was known for these seven. He actually did eight eight performances. I don't know if he's working on anything now, but uh, the seven performances, which were each like year long pieces, one was uh, like he had to live outside for a year, okay. and not, like he wasn't allowed to be inside of a building. Um, any kind of building and uh, 
There's uh, there's one where he was tied by an eight foot rope to another artist, uh, Linda Montano, who's mm -hmm. a who's a pretty famous performance artist, who was actually a huge fan of his work, and she brought this idea to him, like a man and a woman tied together by an eight foot rope for a whole year, and by the end of it, they just apparently hated the fuck of out of each course. other. <laughs> like, that that was the thing about performance, especially his stuff, that really got me was the dedication to the commitment. Yeah, the, that commitment to this thing that really has no tangible. <laughs> it's like. Right. It's like there's no, there is no end result, you can't, and you can't sell it. Right, <laughs> like you can't sell. You can't that. put it on a wall. But what happened was, is I went off to school, and then I realized that all of that, a lot of that conceptual art stuff that I was so into, because I was, I was realizing that the how important the performance was, because it captured, like, uh, like, like you know, I was like, well, I could sit at this desk for fifteen hours and then just put my stuff on a wall and have you guys be like, oh, it's not, you know, it's whatever. Right. Or I could just go out in the street. And actually enact something um, and interact with people and get a response, whether that response is positive or negative, create a response, elicit something out of people right. um, and see it from like see it in their eyes. Um, and, and I and I appreciate that. And I also because of that, I lost my patience um, and or lost my patience with drawing. Um, but also, I eventually realized that uh, a lot of conceptual art is complete bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it I think it takes it uh it takes its the normal normal people for granted right. I, I shouldn't say normal people just like it takes the average person for granted it talks over their heads right and and it, it ha it's too self-important it's exclusive and that's like all the things that i'm against well let me ask you this what was i want to know about like those early performance art things you were doing like what were, what were those um well one of the things that i did was i like put myself on display um okay. on it there were these big there were these big pedestals out in front of the art school, <clears throat> and uh, which they would swap out sculptures um, from from the school. And um, there was an open pedestal there, so I basically I set up a table and chair and uh, on the pedestal, and I uh, I put on a suit, and then I, I set up an easel about ten or fifteen feet away with with pad and paper and pens and paints, and um, set up three or four. Um, three or four cameras and just sat there still for three hours. I mean, the, to me, the, the thing that was the coolest was just seeing how people reacted to it. Right. You know, um, and I still feel that way, like uh, with Future Islands, which is still, you know, we have that pop element. It brings people in, but also on a performance level, it's about, you know, I want to scare the fuck out of people sometimes, yeah. you know, not, and not to, not to scare them, but I want to, I want to, I want to open up their, uh, the possibilities of what they can see, you know, right. in this setting. Like, what do you expect? And some, because sometimes people sh are at your shows or you're opening for a band and you have a captive audience. Right. And what you have there is you can you can play it safe and um, and maybe like win some people over or be a band that people are like, oh yeah, they were okay. Or you can you can make it so the audience says, I fucking love that, and the other half says, that was just that was distasteful <laughs> or like <laughs> that was terrifying. I didn't like that at all. But I'm forced in life, a rather in-depth Strange feeling like a pebble in my instep What's next? I resort to unkindness Projection of my pedicure Sensitive with paramour Artifice, my art of war Detriment to self is pestilence Breaking doors, Waxing on the floor Waiting in the core Bobbing on the shore Half in silence Eyes spark to dilate The rhizome of my violence Years upon my waking Childhood as a symptom to be taking Veering by the catawalling His dreams appear Were you rapping at that time too When you were doing the performance art at an art yeah, school. yeah. I mean, I was I freestyled. Uh, I started freestyling at fourteen. Um, the first song I ever freestyled over was uh, uh, "Who Am I the MC?" Okay. Um, I came home from school one day and sat up on my bed and I put on Karis One and I was like, "I'm gonna try to rap." That's what's up. Off the top of my head, and uh, and I spit for about twenty seconds, and then I was just like jumping up and down like i did i did it, it. <laughs> uh so yeah that was uh you had, know my, my brother also is the one who pretty much taught me how to freestyle okay so did him and his buddies did they like cypher anything like that did you were you able to see a lot of that um not really I, a little bit in Asheville. So my okay. brother my brother moved to Asheville, north carolina for college uh in 98 i would go and visit say like once every six months and my parents would be nice enough to like let me hang out nice. with him you know just yeah. kind of let me be as like 14 15 year old kid um 
smoking crazy weed. <laughs> it was like mind blowing stuff, and usually just passing out right just on the couch so while people just wrapped around me. <laughs> but um, you know, seeing beautiful girls uh, with armpit hair. And oh I was yeah, like, it's so like wow, patchouli in the air. Yeah, yeah. lots of patchouli, man. <laughs> that like moldy, that moldy sweet smell. I know exactly. In every house, you know, and so so it was kind of that was kind of a wonderland for me and. Um, that was one of the first times I freestyled in front of people too, was, was, uh, probably 15 years old, um, in the streets of Asheville. Um, and, uh, with my brother and I, I just remember he was like, so proud. Yeah. It's like, that's my little brother. <laughs> it made me feel, it made me proud, you know? Cause a lot of that was, was, uh, I wanted to impress him, Okay, you know, my thing, but, but at 18, I guess 17 to 18, I got in some trouble Okay, just dealing with school. I didn't really get in trouble. Well, I got caught is what happened um just like um and then just kept kept fucking up i mean the thing was like a lot of stuff my brother did in high school and got in trouble for just uh you know sneaking out smoking blunts um uh drinking mad dogs by (laughs) by the shore um i i saw him get in trouble and i was like i'm not i'm not getting caught he's really bad at getting in trouble well he was really bad because he would just lie about it and start crying or something (laughs) i didn't do that (laughs) And I'd be like, man, you're just making it worse, man. <laughs> I'd be in the other room like, just shut up and say, like, I'm sorry. You're all tense and shit. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That 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 area of my life was kind of weird. Like, I've talked to Joel about it recently. Um, and he's he's kind of like, man, I'm really sorry I put you through that. Because it was weird for me. Because, like, my parents and my brother were kind of always battling. And I was in and my... just in the room. I was, well, I was in my room. Right. I and mean, this is before, this is before music hit me. Um and I was still like doing the sports thing, and uh, like that's like I, I still dreamed I was going to be like shortstop mm-hmm. in, in the majors or something, Word. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, my brother would be like, "You be a fat stop." I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was a short, fat little dude. I looked like a little Chinese lady. I was like, I was just a fat, I was like, short, short, fat little dude with a bowl cut, his big rosy cheeks, and I was like, "Yeah." So I just got, I kind of got overlooked, and that was the thing was. A lot of those, like, that hard, the hardness of middle school. And that's kind of how me and Garrett became friends. Keyboards, Future Islands, Art Lord. Like, we've been best friends since the ninth grade. But it all kind of started in the eighth grade when uh, we both got cut from the baseball team. Like, final day of cuts. And me and Garrett were sitting on the front porch of the gym while, like, a quarter mile away. The team was, like, celebrating because they just uh, made the team. And we were just wow. sitting there waiting for our parents. Oh. And I always say that we were kind of unified in that hate. Uh, and that feeling of isolation, like that's kind of where our friendship started from, just being like, being outcast. Like, Who are these? Yeah, feeling like an outcast, like feeling like we didn't fit in. Because because at that point, I was like, look, like most of my friends are are like are athletes, and I just got cut out of that circle. They're gonna go on and do their thing, right. and my other friends are my other friends are like skaters and and surfers, but they're a little cool, like they're like popular crew, but they're they're my friends, but not really. And then me and Garrett Garrett was a skater. But he also felt kind of. I think he felt kind of isolated in that. Um, he was he was new to school um, f- for a couple years. Like he wasn't really tight um, from the old days. Like a lot of us were. So you guys are the three. The three of you all at least get together in college and start to start the band. Or is it is it is a fourth in there as well? At that yeah, time? there's a fourth member. Uh, it's actually. So if you, uh, our first band actually started without Garrett. Okay. Um, it was me and William had an, had the idea for Art Lord and the Self Portraits, which was uh, a conceptual art piece <laughs> <laughs> about uh, like how we treat our rock stars and art stars and celebrities in our society. Basically, how they're like complete shitheads, and we still love them. Now, see, here's a question I wanted to get at because up until this point, it seems like musically you're rapping. Uh, Mm-hmm. more than anything so were you singing that whole time too or when did the singing no, start no. well the thing is the thing the thing i think sorry i go i dig so deep when yeah. i do this talks, yeah, yeah, yeah. um that i get off key um what happened really is is that art lord was just a freestyle project oh okay. i mean because the thing was like i mean i didn't go into it enough but i was an insane freestyle mc by the time i was 17 18 years old i could just rap for days and, yeah. I, and I i say that with the knowledge that i may not have been as good as I think I was, but I, I could rap. You could go on days. forever. Yeah, yeah, and I was completely open. Mm-hmm. Like I was open, um, and 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 could just reach that place at any at any time over anything. Mm-hmm. I could just rap over anything. Right. Um, you know, just like, like put that down. Like just say one word over and over again. I would rap over it. Huh. Um, and and I, 
I loved that, you know, and I always wanted to do it. So then with Art Lord, so I was freestyling at parties and stuff. William had seen me, see me like, just like bust out ciphers, you right. know, just like pull people together and be like, we're just rapping do it. <laughs> um, at parties and stuff. So he knew that about me. We were becoming good friends and um, I started the project. But but with the first practices, basically I would just freestyle sing over the stuff. Okay. And, and and that definitely comes from even more of the uh, the the West Coast uh the West Coast flows that I loved. Um, that's one of the things I always loved about West Coast styles was, well, first of all, style was was more key. Like, I always felt like East Coast Underground was about, like, how hard you were. Exactly. Um, and West Coast was about, like, how many styles you had or how, how hard could you style. Exactly. Um, which was what I was all about. I love the adventurous stuff. I love, like, the taking the chances and, and just going in crazy places. I loved words. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, because I was, like, studying for the SATs and, like, like yeah, I'm going <laughs> to right. know all the words. Right. Like, insane. <laughs> weirdest verse you can never understand. Which also goes back to that whole talk of, like, cryptic conceptual art versus mm. uh versus honesty you know that the stuff i used to write then um was most likely insane and i wish i had tapes of like some of those crazy ciphers but at the same time what i'm writing now um is much more is much more powerful than that stuff here's a question okay art lord and self-portrait so it's a conceptual band so how do you guys um engage the conceptual part when when you guys are doing shows or whatever, how is it? How are people able to see that it's supposed to be this critique? Uh, that's a good point. Well, I mean, the songs were the thing about Artler was it started out as that concept, but it was kind of a jokey thing. Okay, um, and then you know, I was I wore a white tux, slicked back my hair. Um, spoken a German accent to be like, "How are you doing tonight? Uh, <laughs> I am Lachlan Strauss. I am the Art Lord. I know. I'm wonderful. <laughs> These are my self portraits. Aren't they beautiful? They're me. Ah, that's um, nice. and okay. you know, the idea was that the Art Lord brought his self portraits to life because they were the only people good enough to play for him. It's the story of Pygmalion. It's, nice. Um, it's the story of narcissists. So, so it's. Uh, but then what happened was too many artists. Um, there are too many artists, not enough musicians, which maybe I could take back now. Um, <laughs> it's like, there are too many artists in the world. There can only be one. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it was this, I it was this thing. Man. What's the character's name again? Locke Ernst Frost. Yes. Which was um, John Locke, Max Ernst, and Robert Frost. So And then so when it and what was the transition to Future Islands like? What happened when we started Future Islands? Our buddy BB um, left left the band. He left town one day, and we didn't want to continue Art Lord without him. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had a few we had a few months off, and then we began Future Islands with our buddy Eric, uh, who was in this band, The Kick Ass, who were an amazing like three piece metal band, who at their best sounded like Tortoise. Like they were an amazing mm -hmm. three piece metal band from Greenville, North Carolina. Um, and then. That kind of started, I was in a really bad place then, and I feel like the first stuff we wrote as Future Islands was terrible. Okay. Some people love that stuff. That first EP we did, it's called Little Advances. Super poppy, super punk. Uh, and but, but the thing on the performance side, it was really weird because for the first time, I was figuring out how to like really be real in front of people. Right. Like I, I had freestyled on stage. Uh, I, I'd done some performance freestyle-wise on stage and felt comfortable i had um been in many many ciphers but uh, as far as like singing with the band and um because you know like art lord actually we did really well in north carolina like you know we were we were kind of like rock stars in our little town you know because i was like 19 and i could go into any bar and get a beer mm. you know and people just be like Art lord what's up <laughs> um which really was not good for me it got, got to my head you know and i thought that i was hot shit for a second which um, is basically how you feel when you're 18 or 19. You think you're hot shit anyway. I mean, especially, yeah, especially if you get adulation from strangers. You yeah, know. exactly, yeah. exactly. So we were we did really good in Greenville, um, and we're actually making money in that town and, and all that stuff, and then it all just crumpled, and we had to start over. And we thought that it would just kind of continue where we, where we left off mm -hmm. with that band. Like, oh, well, everybody will just come because now it's... Because it's still band, us. It's still us. Right. But nobody was there. You know, I think other than in Greenville where people knew us really well you know we started going out on the road more with the knowledge of what we learned in art lord and uh 
with touring and started touring outside of the state more. Um, and uh, and that was kind of when the grind began. Like like, this mid, is the Future this, Islands grind. This is Future Islands grind. Yeah, that was we started February of '06, and so by the end of that year, we were going on you know week and a half, two week tours, uh, and then that that continued into '07. Um, but then it, we kind of hit this weird point where we weren't creating because I had left town. Um, I spoke to you a little bit about this yesterday. Like I left town early on in Future Islands because of uh, bad drug problems. Mm -hmm. So we started in, in February 06. I was in like a tornado of my own making um, uh, with with uh, cocaine. I was just like really fucked up. And um, and that, that I still, you know, that's why it's hard for me to revisit those really old songs. It's also right. why I think they're bullshit mm -hmm. because I had nothing to say. I was like a vapid wasteland, huh. you know, like as far as a writer, like, I had lost, I feel like I had lost everything that, that made me special. Um, and I played into that idea of this, this, of this broken art Lord character in a way. Wow. It's kind of like, it was really, uh, it was, it was heavy for me. Like you kind of became locally famous. I became that locally famous, but really I just became, uh, I used that and just was selling drugs, you right. know, and, uh, and then just went into my own hole. Um, was actually like my my apartment, which is this really dark dark place. Um, so so like future when Future Island started, I was in the I was in the middle of that, but trying to trying to escape. And then by July, five six months later, I just left town one mm -hmm. night. I just uh, I had kind of a mental breakdown after uh, work one night. I was working as a dishwasher. I dropped out of school, you know. Uh, six months before I, so I was just dropped out of school. I basically was kicked out of school because they're like, you know. Yeah, you basically, one more semester or you're out, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, they were like, you, you know, we're going to have to kick you out because your grades are still, I was like, you can't kick me out, I quit. Okay. <laughs> you can't fire me, I quit. And then I, so I'm working as a dishwasher at this place. I've got this terrible girlfriend who we've just split up, which is good. I was, didn't, I basically didn't talk to her while living in her house for two months. So she would be like, we have to break up. Yeah. Because I had tried that, but I was, but she was like, "No, no, we are not going to break up." Huh. And I was like, "I'm too weak to say no." <laughs> <laughs> and you have power at your house, and I don't. <laughs> I seriously didn't. I of the last four months I lived in this apartment, I did not have power. It's literally a dark place. It's literally a dark place. <laughs> I would just go there and like light candles and like cut up bags wow. for people and shit. Wow. Cut up my own bags, and then, and then so I fucking. Um, I one night at work, I was about to go on a two week tour and I was talking to my boss and then the, the people that ran this place were awesome. You know, it was a family restaurant. It was really nice, like a four star restaurant there in Greenville. And uh, and, you know, I was like the one, you know, because all restaurants are filled with drugs. Yeah. But in that restaurant, I was the one fucked up person. You know, <laughs> like the chef smoked a little weed and they had some beers the other night, but there was no hard drugs in there. And then I'm like taking bumps listening to like Mexican rap in the dish, dish room. Oh, shit. I was like by myself. <laughs> I, was, like, <laughs> I was like, I was just like getting down. Party for one. Fucked up. <laughs> and then the, the chef comes in one night. He's basically like, yo, we got to talk about that tour you're going on in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? Like, I'm going to have a job when I get back, right? And he's like, no, you're not. Damn. Like, we can't, we can't support that anymore because we need somebody who's here. You've been, you've been going away a lot and you've been coming in late all the time. Damn. You know, because when you go to bed at, 11 a.m. every morning it's hard to get to work at five <laughs> <laughs> mathematically it is yeah, yeah. and uh so he's like you can't really be late for like a 5 p.m job every day <laughs> like how the fuck do you fuck that up sam are you seriously i was like got shit to do uh, <laughs> and uh so so in in okay so as he's saying like yeah you're not gonna have a job and I'm like, why don't you fucking want this shitty job anyways? Like, you're seriously going to fire me from this shitty job? And then it wasn't really that. I mean, for what I was doing, they paid me well. And they were really nice people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then as, as, as he's saying that, like, my ex-girlfriend is sitting, like, and she used to just come to, after we split up, she never came to the restaurant. And after we split oh up, she would go to the God. bar every night and just, like, sit around the corner cackling. <sighs> I became best, best friends with the chef's wife. And I just hear her, like, cackling, like a devil's, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ! As he's like you. How you will have no job? And I'm like, my life is shit. So you're living the worst movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> and I had like earlier in that night, I had like bought a baggie off off. I had a guy come and meet me. 
Um, cause I was like, I was at my bottom at that point and I had nothing. I didn't have any money or anything. I owed money around. And then, uh, I had a guy come and meet me and spent like my last 50 bucks on a bag. And, and then I'm, all this shit is happening and I'm just like, I don't even want this shit. Like I, I, I hadn't touched it yet or anything. So on my way, on my way home to my fucking dark apartment, um, somebody's flashing their lights at me, um, this is like shortly after this conversation because I was into the night. I was just finishing up, and uh, I pull over and it's my buddy and he's like all fucked up. He's like, "Do you have? Do you have anything Jeez. to sell?" And I was like, just handed him. <laughs> I was like, "Just take this." Yeah. He's like, "Oh, no, awesome! What do you want?" I'm like, "I don't want anything. I just take it. Just take it from me." And he's like, "Great!" And just peels yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh man, I was like, yeah, these are my friends. Um, I have to change my life. I see you changing every day. I packed up my shit and had a lot. I had a lot to think about. My brain was just melting, um, and uh, I went. And, I went and found Garrett and William, and told them basically everything they already knew. Yeah, which was like, I have a really bad problem, and I can't be here. And I want to know that you got. It's okay with you guys that I leave. Basically, they were like, you don't have to ask us. Like, we're your friends. We love you, and we know you have a problem. And we're glad that you realized that finally. So where'd you go? I drove. Um, so I was like, I was, I met those, I found those guys at like a house party. Cause I, you know, I got off work at like one thirty. So they found those guys at a house party, talked to them, like crying on, sh- on their shoulders. And they were like, you know, go do what you have to do. The music doesn't matter. It mm-hmm. just matters that you're safe and that you, you get straight. So I was like, thank you. I jumped in my car and I drove to Moorhead city, which is uh, where I grew up. It's an hour and a half away. Show up at my parents' house, uh, seven thirty in the morning, and they're kind of like, uh, expect them not to be awake. My mom's kind of moving around, it's like a Saturday or Sunday. She's like, "What are you? What are you doing here?" I'm like, "We'll talk about it in the morning." Yeah. And then she's like, "Okay," and so I just I laid down and went to sleep. And uh, my dad woke me up at like nine p.m. the next day. He was like, "Okay, hey, uh, you want to like? Do you want to?" Eat some dinner. <laughs> like, I'll talk to you in the morning. It's dinner time. It's like past dinner time, Sam. Would you like? So I'm sitting on the couch with them watching TV, and then they're just like, so why are you here? And I just like came out and told them. Like, so had they known you were out of school or anything? They knew that I dropped out of school. Well, what happened was I was uh, I dropped out of school right after my grandmother passed, mm-hmm. and that was like my last my last living uh, grandparent. And um, she, she was an awesome lady, and we were – uh, we got to be pretty close. So when she passed, I was. It was the same thing. It was October of '05, um, and it was in that really, really dark place. Really, really dark place, and uh, and that didn't help. So I went home and just was just a wreck. I was a wreck in my parents' house, and I was there for three days. And then there, it's like time to go back to school, and I'm like, I'm not going to school. So there I am, uh, six, seven months later. And uh, they're like, why are you here? And I was just like, I'm addicted to cocaine. and I owe some money to some people. And I'm just sad and I'm really scared. And I need, I want to get cleaned up. And they were just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it was pretty heavy, but they, uh, they, yeah, everything was fine. They were like, there were some tears. They were, they were sad. You know, like, what did we do wrong right. kind of thing. Right. It's like, you didn't do anything. It's everything I did. I did every. I fucked it all up. And uh, and they're like, you want to go rehab? I was like, please don't put me in rehab. I just want, I just need you to take my keys and take my phone, mm-hmm. and just just let me sit here. Can I just sit on this couch for like two weeks and just detox? And uh, so that's what we did. And uh, it was it was pretty high tension, especially with my dad, um, just because I don't think he knew how to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, and and he always takes everything on himself, like he feels like it's his fault. Um, and, uh, so, uh, so yeah, they helped me get cleaned up. And then two and a half to two weeks later, I was back on the road. And uh, at that point I just was living, 
I just started living out of my car around the state of North Carolina, just staying out of Greenville, pretty much. And so, I mean, that was that was the moment you cleaned up then, and and then you got back with the band. Yeah, yeah. So the band, the band just continued. The right. band did continue, and I, I made amends. But what happened was like, I ended up moving. By the end of that year, uh, I ended up moving to Asheville, North Carolina, okay. which is on the western in the western part of the state. That's your, that's your musical origin, anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, yeah. And I moved out there with a girl. I started seeing this girl shortly after I left Greenville. Um, we had met once, and then we struck up com- more conversations. And then I, I started like. I was doing like odd job construction to save up money. And then I would just like blow it all driving to Florida to see this girl. And then eventually I just convinced her to like just jump in my van with all of her stuff and moved to Asheville with me. So that was, uh, and, and we really, you know, we really kind of saved each other. Um, well, she saved me in that time and helped me feel strong and feel loved, um, when I needed it from someone outside of like my family, you know what I mean? Like I needed to feel it from someone outside and, uh, and then she lost somebody really important to her shortly after we were in Asheville and then I was got to be that for her. Um, so it was really, it was a really heavy and emotional relationship, um, which would become that relationship would become a huge part of future islands. That's music what I'm at, thinking about like, Were you writing as this relationship was unfolding? Well, as so wave like home, our first record has a couple songs that deal with, with her. I almost said her name. I'll keep that out of it. Um, so that was the beginning of our relationship. Like Little Dreamer is about her. Um, one of the most beautiful songs ever written. So Little Dreamer was, she was my little dreamer. And then In Evening Air, which is, that is an intense fucking record. And it deals completely with my breakup with the girl in question. And as we say goodnight, I hold you close and tight. No more aging signs, only waning ones. Like the waxing scar Where my lonely heart Once bloomed Before I met you My little dreamer I'll always Always Dream of I convinced her to move up to Baltimore with me um, to continue, and and me and William had decided we wanted to move to Baltimore to uh, to start a new band or continue this band. And then I moved her up there, and and basically it was it's really fucked up. You know, it took me years to realize, it took me a few years to realize what that meant. But I moved her there and was like, okay, let's get a let's get a job and. And I'm gonna go on the road. Oh God! You know what I mean. So you guys. So because I was like, I'm okay. gonna make, I'm gonna make it. So we're gonna be fine forever. I was like, just give me five years, baby. Like, uh, and uh, you know, I'll just be gone for like five years, okay. and then, <laughs> and then everything will be fine. Like I'll be able to support us. And uh, you know, it was it wasn't that cut and dry, but it was like, it you know, I was I was working forty hours a week when I was in town, but then I would go out on the road for three week, two three weeks, and um, and I come back and our money had dried up but but she was she was just ultimately depressed in that city because in Baltimore. she didn't know anybody um she didn't feel safe there um because she didn't know anybody and there was all kinds of stuff in there you know i was probably pulling away i mean i was away um and then but that that signified this whole new thing and i was dealing with really heavy emotions knowing by that point that all i wanted to do was make music you know i moved to baltimore to make music i was i was uh, cleaned up um, I was starting to find myself again as a musician. I was actually writing words that had worth again. <laughs> and, uh, and all of a sudden, I am given a, an insane wealth of emotion from, mm-hmm. this, from uh, this thing that I never thought was going to stop. Right. Even, if, even if I had entertained the idea that it might stop, you know, um, especially out on the road where you see a beautiful girl and you're like, oh, I have a girlfriend. And then you're like, well, what if I did? Right. Um, you know, and nothing ever happened there, but, but then all of a sudden that was gone. And I was just like, it was like fucking daggers in my heart for, for months. And my stomach was just like wrecked for months just dealing with this. And I started writing about it. Um, and that's what, that's pretty much what became an evening air. I, I wanted to know like what ended up happening with that album. Was it successful? Was it? That what record you- was very successful okay, for us. Good. Um, 
I mean, the uh, Thrill Jockey ended up picking it up, uh, picking up that record, and we we're really, really psyched. And you know, because the, the thing was like our first record, our first record came out on a label in London. Okay. Um, in the end of two thousand eight, but nobody in the states had it because it was an import. You know, right. you had to pay like thirty five bucks. To yeah, I, don't, I know a couple copies. guys that's happened to. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. So we're just like, well, what? Well, shit. Like, <laughs> this didn't do anything for us. We finally got the record. I mean, we could sell it at shows, which is what we did. That's what you have to do. Um, torn around, but then, so we go over there, and all of a sudden, there's like actually people that know us over there mm-hmm. because the record's out in in Europe and the UK, um, and and so so we're basically touring. You know, we did our our first three U.S. tours at the end of 2008, and then did our first uh, European tour beginning of 2009. Immediately followed by a, a giant U.S. tour with our buddy Dan Deacon. Immediately followed by another European tour, and that was really you know 2008 was the kickoff okay. and that was the that was like my relationship ending and you're writing for the next one then yeah, yeah and then and then uh begin at the end of 2008 in that dark period we wrote an apology long flight 10 man and those went out on the road with us in 09 and when we got back mid 09 that's when we started writing in evening air and it just felt like we had performed those songs we knew that they had power right and then we're like we like road this tested is the best, this is the best stuff we've ever written yeah. you know past wave like home it's it's the first time we're writing as a three piece because our our drummers quit the band and then drummers that we brought in had basically. I mean that's kind of oh yeah I guess I didn't even talk about that like so we brought in our first drummer quit in the end of '07 and then we brought in this other guy. He played with us for about four or five months and he got a little bit of the Future Islands curse that happens to some people. It's we don't we don't roll with a curse but um, uh, sometimes people just like lose their minds around us and we don't mm. know why because we're really nice guys. But um, <laughs> he took a gravity bong hit one night and, uh. Uh, and, uh, and just started throwing up. And then the next day he was like, I can't play with you guys anymore. Damn. And the next day we we're back in Baltimore and he called a band meeting. He was like, you don't get to call a band meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we met him at a bar and he was just like, yeah, I can't, I can't do this. Because we had just asked him, like, would you, yeah. like, we are prepared to offer you a full-time position. He's like, what does that mean? He's like, well, that means we can't give you that like 50 bucks a show anymore. We'll just split it all four ways, but then we'll keep getting bigger. And he was like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, so you're going to give me like 1250 <laughs> you <know? laughs> Like, like oh, yeah, so you're going to take that $37 away from me. Yeah, I don't think I like that idea. So then he quits the band and we're like, we're about to go. That was, that was right before that first U.S. tour, like a week before. And we're like, well, there's not time to get a new drummer. So Garrett, we're just like, it was basically like, well, Garrett, guess you just got to sit in your room for the next week and make beats for all this stuff. <laughs> He's like, fuck this. So Garrett does, he makes beats and we go out on the road as a three piece for the first time ever. And, and the thing was like, we knew from Art Lord to Future Islands that me and, me and Garrett and William had a special connection. Right. Like Garrett and William had a really special connection musically and something about what they created pulled something special from me. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've always, I, I've tried to work with other people in a band format and I'm just like, eh, yeah. eh. that it's, trust, man. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. A, it's a, it's a level of trust. So like, uh, yeah, basically it was like when we moved to Baltimore, it was like, well, this is it. In the course of you guys forging this bond, um, I mean, you are you are going pretty hard with rap now too, or starting to. No, no, you're not starting to. The rap is just gone. But now, like 2015, 2015, I'm grinding on some Hem- shit. Hemlock Ernst, Hemlock Ernst is doing stuff. Well, what happened was so basically, what happened was I was on the road from the middle of 2008 until the end of 2012, and the uh, from from the big, uh, from mid 2010 to the end of 2012, I was also seeing a girl who uh, I wanted to wife really hard. <laughs> I was like, "Will you be mine?" She's like, "I don't even want to be your girlfriend, but uh, <laughs> but we can hang out when you're here because I think you're fun." I'm like, "Oh, uh, oh, please, 
So I had this really oh, tumultuous, like two and a half year relationship with an awesome girl, um, awesome girl, but you know, things didn't align. And, uh, at the end of that, at the end of 2012, I'm, I'm hungry to write and, and exp- because I have this wealth of emotions, um, going through this thing. And then, but the guys are like, dude, can we just take like a few weeks yeah. off? Like we've been on the road. We did 160 shows in, tw- in 2012 alone, but also had just been on the road. It's like, can we just like take a month or two and chill? And, and of course I'm like, I know that that's what we need to do. And that's what I wanted to do up until that moment. And then I'm just like, please get me to, get me to another right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> get me to a studio quick because I have some shit to say. And then, uh, and and we had actually gotten in these arguments for for maybe a lot of that year where I was just like, fuck this set. Like, I'm tired of playing these fucking songs right. and we need to write some new shit. And it's like, we don't have any time to write. And it was like, well, make time, make a damn thing. Because <laughs> my whole thing, I'm like, I need you to make music so, so that I can write. write. Um, which in the end is like, uh, I'm realizing in the end of 2012, like, I don't want to have that same conversation. I don't want to get into a fight with my guys. Um, my friends who are working their asses off the same as me, they deserve to go home and spend time with their ladies mm-hmm. and all that shit. And you're just going through some shit. And it's like, if you want to write, Sam, then write. Right. You asshole. Like, <laughs> like, like, go write something. And, and so and so I dug up some 12-inch singles and I started writing. And that was kind of the, the, re, the rebirth of, uh, of uh, Hemlock Ernst. Um, that was actually Hemlock Ernst was was I think fresh at that. Was that the first time I came up with that name? I don't think so. Hemlock, Hemlock I told you like yeah. Hemlock was my original writer name on the Ozone music boards back in nineteen ninety eight and I wrote this epic poem about Socrates taking the Hemlock poison and was it po- was it suicide or was it was it uh was it uh, execution mm-hmm. and uh, all this thing and I got props for it and I was like Hemlock <laughs> and then uh, so so yeah I started writing what was that first uh, uh, how does that first uh, I roll with heavy pockets and heat swells uh, I roll with heavy pockets and sweet heat swells but my pockets only hold the wind and my pen and pad no weed sells speed kills but the slow never learn to deal never learn the facts of life cause they never lived I seen a body from the inside burn like a tourniquet twists off my oxygen uh, oh man crossing hippopotamus in a river soap brunk drowned lung chasing on that last puff magic dragon chasing up that last line now I'm writing image heavy verses on my last dime pastime crashed out stage yell uh, oh man <laughs> fist beating chest till it's bloody red tongue doing pirouettes in a cipher very wet Anyways, I basically wrote that verse. I haven't spit that in a couple of years. Either. I wrote that verse all of a sudden over this fifth element beat. And then I'm like, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like, that's the first that was seriously because at that point I had I'd been writing intermittently. But from 2010 to tw- to that point in 2012, I hadn't written a verse in two and a half years. Um, I was so focused on future islands and uh, on my life life stuff and, and working on those songs that i hadn't i hadn't written a verse i'd barely been i'd barely freestyled because i hadn't been around to freestyle with my buddies maybe something here and there and then i wrote this this verse that was some of the most at that point it was the most honest shit that i ever wrote um and uh was uh i was like wow this is this actually makes sense you know it's not just like cryptic word form yeah, yeah, yeah. and and see what the tongue twister is i mean it has a tech has a bit of technicality but it's actually you know it's a real emotional meaning yeah, to it. yeah. my pockets only hold the wind in my my weight of my pen and pad no weed sales like it's like i'm past that thing i'm past that thing and then and, and i'm and i talked to you about that yesterday too is like you know a lot of stuff i a good a good portion of the things i rap about are about my my problems my drug my drug problems in those days because first of all it sounds hard <laughs> um, and second of all, it's I want to I want to teach from that point of view. Right. Um, I've got this one song. It's just uh, it's called Young Gods, and it, it talks about that. Uh, um, oh man, I want to spit that middle verse, um, but it's uh, it's talking about mine's a suicidal place. Overshot the vinyl plate, chopping lines on China Gray. Ask him if he been okay. All he say is Namaste with a sad and honest face. Only safe and grace. 
never knew wrong. Can I get a little bit more vocal up front? Thank y'all. It's just that, that idea of like, I should have been fucking dead, right. you know, and I had friends die on me. Um, and that stuff's important to me. You know, I think with, with Future Island, I can, uh, th that stuff is very honest. Right. Um, it's a little more universal. Right. It's, but it's still very, it's very personal to me. Um, but it, it deals with uh, universal emotions mm -hmm. and it deals with stuff that is still like I've got some hidden lines in there that are a little like rated, rated, uh, rated, uh, <laughs> rated, uh, this is a warning. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, I remember there's this one line, uh, this, this song called On the Water, uh, this uh, title track for third record and it says like body of mind, body of Christ. Um, and William, when we wrote that song, William's like, is that like a weird, because William can be weird about God stuff sometimes because okay. he's kind of raised in a religious place, but he doesn't really follow it, but it, like it kind of weirds him out yeah. um, because he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be blasphemous. Right. So he's like, I was like, is that weird? Do you say that? And I'm like, nah, nah. It's like, uh, I'm just saying that, that for all of the, for everything that I've known, I've been through, I still victim, I still make myself a victim. Mm. Um, I still do the same things over and over again that make me a victim. I'm saying like, like a Christ figure, I, mar I martyr myself for these certain things and, and make my, you know, hang myself up on the cross for the same things over and over again. And he's like, huh? Like I kind of, <laughs> I don't think it, it like kind of cleared it for him, but it just was like maybe a little confused. too much. <laughs> and then I was like, but don't worry, because the next line is about eating pussy. Because <laughs> <laughs> the next line is the tongue is left to dine and takes its precious time. Oh my god! <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, but it's cool because I just got him. funny. So, uh, so there's like those hidden things, but uh, but with with Hemlock. I don't have to censor myself for my for my dudes, yeah. you know, because I don't want to do any. I don't want to write anything that is going to reflect badly on them, of or course. or they have to. Uh, they have to trust a lot in you too. I mean, you being they the have front a lot man. of trust. Yeah, in I can me. I can see because you know you you get to really fully express your thing on stage when they're kind of behind instruments. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. They have to have a trust in. They, they man, I have. almost cried the other day. Man, we were doing an interview at <laughs> Sasquatch, and, and uh, they asked a question about my performance, and William was just like. Because the thing is, I give those guys props all the time. Yeah. And I, I think that we've had this conversation. It's not a problem anymore, but I think five, six years ago, like, I got really sad one time. I'm just like, it really hurts my feelings. You guys, like, never tell me if you like what I do or right. anything. Uh. And they were, and it kind of got to the point where they're just like, dude, everybody tells you they like what you like. <laughs> like, do you need to hear it from us, too? And I'm like, oh, I'm an asshole. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm, oh. a, I'm a total asshole but so so we're we're doing this interview Damn, that's deep. and William's just like William's like you know the thing they're they're like have you always performed like that blah 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 and William's like well you know it's kind of funny like when we first started our first band Art Lord you know we were just sitting around in a living room and we're like writing and singing and uh you know maybe like Sam's just like sitting down but as soon as we played the first show all of a sudden he was just like he was just like doing all this stuff. Like he's just, he's a natural performer. He's a born performer. And uh, he just, he has this amazing charisma and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't think I've ever heard you say that, man. <laughs> it was like a live on camera interview. And I'm just like, I'm like tearing up. Like, oh man, thanks, dude. Thanks, man. I think that really, it, you know, yeah. like those, those motherfuckers mean the most. Of course. Uh, You've and, been and the worst shit. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. They, they've been there for me, man. They've been there for me. But it is like that, uh, they they tr they give me a lot of power. I mean, without them, and that's I try to tell people like it, that isn't anybody that just if I if you just give me props, I'm like fuck you because right. you don't even you don't even understand like what there isn't me. I don't exist exactly without without that or like the, that music. Without that music, these words aren't real. Like like uh, the funny thing I I always used to say like. It's great that these guys write this great music and let me cry all over it. <laughs> and then, uh, but the other thing is, is I get I get a lot of props for being this kind of emotional force and being able to be vulnerable. But I'm like, yeah, but there's something deeply emotional about the music. Absolutely. And, and these it, guys are like quiet about it, but the fact is, they're creating something that is already like I'm I'm basically translating yeah. the music into word. Yeah, they're you know? they're being super emotional in the creation of the music, and it's pulling that out of you. Yeah, and you're such a vulnerable person that you can fully express it, and then that's what yeah. everybody sees. Exactly. But absolutely, it's all there from the beginning. You know, yeah. it's all in the, those chords and those. You know what I mean? Like it's all there. 
Garrett, man. <laughs> the silent killer. Yeah, dude. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I got my inside voice going. I mean, can, are we going to get this guy to make beats? <laughs> dude, you should, I've been telling Garrett. I'm like, I'm like, man, Garrett could leave. I think me and William have had this conversation. You realize Garrett could just like leave us in a second and wow. make like million dollar beats, right? He's <laughs> like, we're fucked, dude. <laughs> well, damn, dude, man. I appreciate all of this um, further vulnerability about your vulnerability oh, yeah. and, and Always. history and the legacy. I told you as long as everything. we started talking, I was just going to be opened up. That's fantastic, that's, that's man. That's how I do, man. Really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to uh, tell the people? Uh, just, just, there might be people. I don't know. What's up, people? Uh, <laughs> I'm just like chilling. This is, this is our second day hanging. Yeah, hanging man. Hanging Mike's house. I'm really excited about well, I, I can't say anything. You can, can say I? whatever you want to say. Dude, we're going on collabos on here, man. I'm yeah, fucking dude, psyched. Yeah. All kind of collabos with these West Coast heads. I'm fucking psyched. West Wessie in Chicago's. Yeah, so. you know I'm a transplant, but it's a it's know. a cross up. I live here on purpose, so yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I know. <laughs> well, I talk about talking about Roy too. All right, right, right. I'm right. and uh, working with Bus is cool. So. Yeah, but yeah, man. I don't know. Check out check out the Hemlock stuff. Actually, don't even don't even look for it. It'll find you if it needs to. That's right. I'm not, you know, that's that's just, I'm just trying to get back the culture, and I'm trying to make Whack MC shut the fuck up. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> you might have a lot of work to do, sir. <laughs> so that was my interview with Mr. Sam Herring of Future Islands. That was a pleasure to hear and go through his musical and some of his life journey. It's really kind of inspiring for a band that's been plugging away at it like they have and for it to have gone as successful as it has gone. So um, props to Sam, props to Future Islands, a great band, and um, a great story. This is Secret Skin. As always, subscribe on iTunes or whatever app you listen to podcasts on. Rate, review, give me all the stars on iTunes, give me all of them. Um, uh, leave reviews, leave kind words. If you don't feel kind, leave kind words anyway. If you feel if you don't feel like leaving kind words, don't leave any words. Or actually, do what you like. Do what you like. This is not a, a totalitarian government. This is a podcast. I'm just trying to encourage people to leave positive feedback. It helps out um, numbers and all of that and listeners. But it's been great. Um, the show is growing. A lot. The show's growing a lot. And uh, as I travel around, I get lots of people that come up to me at shows and say that they've been enjoying the podcast, and that's awesome. Um, do uh, please be encouraged to send me personal feedback, though, things you might like to hear on the show, guests you might like to hear on the show, uh, questions you have. I really enjoy answering questions. Um, Somebody sent me a theme song. I'm, I'm not going to put it on this episode. I'm going to put it uh, on, a, on a future one. It's really great as well. Um, your bonus song for the day is a song that I recorded a few years ago. And I barely remember why. I was kind of like one of those sit in my apartment and meditate songs. I've never did anything with it. It's called Planet Demo. I guess the song is going to be called Planet. And uh, I don't remember much about it, but I just ran across it right now. And I kind of liked it. So, here you go, and this is Secret Skin, and I am Michael Eagle, and you are whatever your name is. Thanks for spending some time with me. Peace. I live in the studio, truly though, the mind running pen moving slow. In a two-bedroom apartment with toy shards laid on the khaki-colored carpet Living room walls where the boys' new art went Netflix through the weeds, stay streaming smart shit In a west side neighborhood, quiet at night But I doubt that we stay for good The boy likes to play in woods So this place doesn't suit him like a couple acres could I'm bound to the city though Doing shitty shows, making YouTube videos So even when the sky turns indigo the view of the stars is just pitiful We're in a state called Cali In a five baseball county Shit's kinda nice And a couple others I be fearing from a life Skinhead shout nigga trying to hit you with a pipe But this couldn't be life, right? Hey yo, what happened to my rights? You can keep them if you're staking out of sight I never get caught roaming solo at night 
in a place called America, which is really two places, separated by races, physical space, and economic status, on a planet called what's the name? Thank you.